We're starting at verse 17 through to chapter 5, verse 2. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live in the, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity and have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught to him, taught in him in accordance with truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of the one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So not let, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to, me, to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as God loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thank you, Peter. Good morning, everyone. My name's Etienne, or Et. I, uh, I'm the, the dude whose wife had a baby on Friday, so thank you all for your well wishes. Uh, yeah, we deeply appreciate it. Um, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, to what we do here, uh, Brian said that we pray because we believe it's the way that God, we talk to God, that's all it means. We read the Bible. We believe it's in some way God speaking to us. And so for the next 20 minutes, half hour, um, we just unpack. What is it perhaps in this part of the Bible that God may want to say to you today? So that's what we do. That's what we're going to spend our time doing for the next 20 minutes to half an hour. Um, this is part of a series, so we work through this section of the Bible that is called Ephesians. Bit of a strange word. You've never, never dealt with the Bible before. And we said what this is trying to tell us is something about 
our identity, who we are. And in the first three chapters, it talked a lot about if you are a Christian, if you believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was, and I, I can't explore that fully now, but that he's, he's died and was resurrected for the forgiveness of your sins, you're a child of God, chosen for a purpose, loved incredibly, and you know that you have a future and a hope. Now, that's the, the big picture stuff that we explored in the first three chapters. Now, for the last three chapters, we start to talk about what does this mean for how I should live? You know, the other stuff was fairly massive, massive things. Now it becomes very nitty-gritty, very practical. How should I think? How should I speak? What behaviour should characterise my identity? Today we'll talk about some things that, that should be true of all of us or become more true of all of us personally. Next week we'll talk about our relationships. What does it mean for how we treat each other? And the last week we'll talk about what does this mean for um, spiritual evil, combating Satan in our lives, and we'll unpack that more. Okay, that's where we're at, and that's where we're digging into today. Quickly flick your eyes on the screen there on some of the underlined stuff. It's a description of a person who, who does not believe in Christ, who, who would not say that they're a Christian, um, an unbeliever. It's called Gentiles in the little passage. But that's what it means darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God due to ignorance, hearts hardened, lost all sensitivity, indulging in every kind of impurity and greed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was not a Christian, if I was not a believer in Jesus, if I was not a churchgoer, I kind of almost find that a bit offensive. <laughs> These are harsh, harsh descriptions, aren't they? You, you could read that and simply say that if you are not a Christian, you're simply a person who's foolish, stubborn, Selfish and debauched. And we know that that's not necessarily true of the people who we know in our lives who are not Christians. We know people who are incredibly good people, loving people. Not like that at all. So what's he trying to say? I, I just want to deal with this, particularly if you're not a Christian and you're here, because, because it's great to have you here, and we want to have you here. I don't think that the Bible and that God speaking to us wants to offend you this morning. Okay? I think what he's really trying to say here is so often in your life you are suffering. You may not have the answers that you need to difficult questions. And you may lack the hope that you need to cope with your afflictions. And this is what God provides. 
This is what he gives us in Jesus. Perhaps without Jesus we turn to all kinds of other things to, to, to give us that, to, to give us the hope, give us the satisfaction, give us the meaning, give us the answers, and we get, we get caught up, I think is what he's trying to say. The world and what it has on offer, and perhaps what you have in your mind today, at the end of the day, is something that, that you are a captive of. Greed. Everything that isn't good for you. Habits, thought patterns, understandings of who you are that isn't true. That's what he's saying. In week one, we had an illustration that we said often, one of the great things about being a Christian, not often, always, one of the great things about being a Christian is that, is that you know what life is about. You are not like a rat in a science experiment who runs through a maze and who doesn't know how to get from A to B. No. If you are in Jesus, God has revealed to you who you are. You know where you're from. You know why things are the way they are now and you know where you're headed. And, and, and before you believed in Jesus, and perhaps if still today you are not, this is some of the stuff that you used to struggle with. You used to suffer from, and you need not. You need not. That's this is what we're getting out of this bit. And I just wanted to diffuse that a bit because I don't want us to read the Bible and simply arc up in a fence. There's an invitation here. There is a loving invitation to say, come, come and know and understand who you are. If you are in Christ, you may know that before God was in your life, this is how you used to live. You went for these things. A lot of stuff you thought were futile. You didn't really have the big picture of what life was about. You did, yes, give yourself over to a lot of sensuality, indulged in sex, indulged in the pursuit of money and wealth and power. But not anymore. This is where he moves on to. Paul says, now, if you are in Christ, if you've made a shift, you're a different person. Things have changed. And here's, here's how it's changed, too, to kick things off. He goes with an analogy. He says, the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self and to put on the new self, Right? Now let's get to the big question of the day. Why is he dressed like a jerk? That is the question. This is my school jacket, thank you very much. And I still fit it nearly 20 years later. It was actually quite exhilarating to put it on and go. My parents were so stingy when they bought clothes. They bought it five sizes too big. So I think I reached the end of year 12 and I still kind of walked like this, you know. Um, with the result that 20 years later I can still wear it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, is it appropriate for me to wear this as a garment that I would wear regularly? Let's say I go and preach here, anywhere else, to any formal occasion, to a wedding? <laughs> Not really. 
I mean, <laughs> it was great to watch the looks on your faces when I, when I had this this morning. It was even better the fact that there was a baby born on Friday, and, you know. It should be the extent, oh, congratulations. <laughs> you know, just the looks at it all, and, and we'll talk a bit more about it. But the, the truth is, it's, it's not kind of appropriate. It's not kind of right. It's, it's not offensive. I was actually looking for an offensive jacket. Couldn't find one. But uh, it never makes it to the op shop floor. I think they put them in the bin. But it's not right, you know. The truth is that this, is, this, this isn't who I am anymore. I used to be this. I, I used to wear this jacket. I, it was appropriate. It was right. It was where I was at in life. But, but it's not what's appropriate for me since I'm an adult, since I'm a new person, since I'm a dad, you know. This is what I should wear. This is, this is appropriate. If I was to come to church, if I was to be dressed like this, on a formal occasion, no one would raise an eyebrow. This would be just who I am, right? A bit too much blue, to be honest. I didn't think about that. Still not appropriate. <laughs> but you get the point. This is what Ephesians is trying to nail down as a bottom line. It's that if you are a child of God, Born anew, loved, with a new purpose, mind you. Remember, you were chosen for a purpose. He's saying, because all that is true about you, you put on the dress that is appropriate for that. Because that is who you are, you dress like that from now on, increasingly. What is it that he wants us to put on? What should we, what should we dress ourselves in? There's a stack of stuff in chapter 4 and 5. I can't possibly work through it all. I'll share three things. Number one, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. And a little bit later, I think he goes a bit deeper in that. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. This is what the Holy Spirit wants. This is what he does. He speaks to you. He prompts you. He reminds you, right, to build you up. Now, let's just unpack this a bit. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully. It's so easy to think that all this means is don't lie. Don't lie. You need to serve on a jury and you get called up. Just don't lie there. You know, that's, that's it. And we may think to ourselves, great, I do that. I'm good. I don't lie. I'm wearing the jacket well. I don't think that's all it means. Okay? I think what it means is essentially this. At least this is one thing it means. God's children are to give each other appropriate fashion advice. You know, when I walked in this morning in my old jacket, you know, I'll, let's, let's go for it. You, you could have and you should have, <laughs> as you saw me like this, or let's pretend I keep wearing this week in, week out, right? And you'll let me off the hook for the first week, but let's say I do it again next week. And again next week, and again next week, 
you have a choice. You can go the way of falsehood and keep telling me, man, you look good. <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> Sorry? No, I don't think, I think this, my mum was the last one who washed this, probably. <laughs> Certainly smells like it. <laughs> we were to speak truthfully. Someone would have lovingly said to me, should you be wearing this still? This isn't who you are. That would be my need, right? It says, speak truthfully according to their need. If this is the jacket I wear, I have a need. I have a need for a loving brother and a loving sister who with great kindness will exhort me, is the fancy word, have a heart-to-heart with me and say, this isn't who you are. Stop wearing that jacket. Watching these movies and this content, not who you are. Speaking to your spouse, your children like that, not who you are. Neglecting what Christ has called us to do continually, not finding an issue with that, not who you are. See, we struggle with this. It's difficult conversations, risky conversations, and yet God's word says, this is what my kids should do for each other when they wear poor dresses, lovingly help each other, encourage each other. Uh, That's one need we have, but it's not the only need because we'd love to go to that. The truth is, I also, and this happens quite a bit in my family, may have donned this exquisite item this morning and said, I'm going to wear this, but you know what? I don't really feel that I pull this off. I don't really think that I'm trendy enough, good enough. Don't shake your head at me, Jaden. I really think I am. I shouldn't be wearing this. I'm not worthy of wearing this. Maybe I am. It's your job to tell me you look excellent in that. That's the thing you should wear. How many of you, how many of us struggle with the, we spoke about it, the unworthiness, the inferiority, I can't make this contribution. I can't come to church. I don't belong. I'm not a good mother, good father. If in fact you are, then it's the job of your fellow siblings in Christ to tell you that, to say, that's excellent. You wear it, and you wear it well, and you go out in it. If that's the need we have, then that is what speaking truthfully means. We are to speak truthfully to our neighbours because we're all members of one body. And so fourth and fifth, we can carry this on for a long time. Whatever we say to each other needs to help us to live out who we are, to dress in the clothes consistently with who we are. Right? All right. That's number one. Number two. In your anger, do not sin. 
more literally means this. Be angry and don't sin. Anger is a human emotion. We get angry. That's okay. God gets angry. Extremely angry. Undealt with anger. Later in the passage says this. Becomes bitterness. Raging. Brawling. Slander. Malice. Unforgiveness. shouldn't wear these things. Why not? I'll give you two reasons. Some of these items, think about them carefully, particularly, we'll go back to the bad one. Uh, rage. Slander. Talking constantly, non-stop, negative about one else, even if that person deserves it. Right? Malice. These are clothes that are unethically made. For you to wear them, a range of other people were hurt, were oppressed, were deprived. Lives were wrecked. Right? Think sweatshops and such, for the analogy's sake. For you to wear these items always means someone's going to get wrecked. The people you speak about, the people you rage against in uncontrolled, bottled up, undealt with anger, they're destroyed. You're, you're wrecking them. You're wrecking the community that you are a part of. These are garments that, that, that always destroys others. Unethical. Have blood on them. Right? We don't wear them. That's why we don't wear them. Number two, not only do they destroy you, but a couple of them, very particularly, bitterness and unforgiveness. It's a very particular kind of a garment. It's a straitjacket. It binds you. It imprisons you. You can never be free for as long as you wear that and for as... as, as as tightly as you wear that, and for as long as you, in your weakness and hurt, I want to recognize that, in your hurt, feel like you cannot take that jacket off, you're, you're bound, right? Unable to, to lift up hands to praise him. Unable to open hands to receive from him. Unable to reach out arms to embrace as you are embraced. Our Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. <laughs> Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you consumed with rage, with malice? 
Have you forgiven him, her, them? My dear brother, my dear sister, God's word to us is do not let the sun go down while that is still there. The others in your life will get hurt and you yourself will stay trapped. So my invitation to you this morning on this is very specific. I know, I know how big a deal this is in so many of your lives. I know how painful it, I can't say I know, but I, I suspect. I just want to throw the invitation to you in light of this. We, I, Mike, after today even, we would love to pray with you. After the service, come and find us if, if there's a forgiveness you want to ask God to help you with. Just that. Please, come and talk to us. That's why we're here. If it's too much of a step to do it publicly here, talk to us during the week. We'd love to privately talk about it and pray with you and get you to pray. And if there's some other person where you don't need our assistance but you need to go to and to deal with, please do. It will be worth it. Take it off. Don't wear it. It's not worth it. (laughs) It's not worth it. And Jesus promises he will help you. He will get it done. Okay? That's number two. Number three. We're almost done. Anyone who must be stealing must steal no longer. Uh, but must work. Now, again, you'd read that and go, I don't steal. I'm good with this. (laughs) Interestingly, the word for steal here is not violent robbery. It's not talking about criminals. It's talking about quiet stealing, whatever that means. Here are a few questions I'd just like you to think about before I finish. How do you spend your money? How do you spend your time? Do you take what you need for what God has called you to do in this life for the purpose he has chosen you? Do you take what you need for that and give the rest away to those in need, those whom God has called you to look after, investments in his kingdom? Are you concerned about using your skills and expertise to responsibly generate excess money, to invest in kingdom purposes, to make money for God's purposes? Are there some things you can do, something useful with your hands, with your mind, to build up a brother or a sister in their identity in Christ? Or are you holding back what you have for less than acceptable reason? If you are, stealing. I don't know the answer to these questions. Pathway has a good culture with this. right? There's a spirit of great generosity here. I encourage it because God encourages it. And then for all of us to constantly think about this in our lives. I do know that loving generosity, speaking truthfully, Rightly dealing with anger. There's some outfits 
that God wants us to wear. We look good in those things. We look delightful in those things. Now let me finish. There is some sort of a risk in all of this, in saying this. Here's what the risk is. We have touched on it. So important that we should do it again. What Satan would want some of you to hear today is that unless I am able to wear one of these, I cannot be a child of God. I must first dress right, save up the money, buy the right clothes, and then I'll be accepted. Then I can fit in. Then I'm part of it. Right? When I was young, this is how it worked. Young people, this is how it works for you. If you want to be part of the crowd, you want to be part of, you must dress a certain way. For us, it was surf clothes. Billabong in particular, which is super funny because we lived six hours from the nearest coastline. None of us surfed. And I don't think any of us had skateboards either. But you'd spend every last cent you have to buy one of those things because unless you wear them, you're out. You're not in, right? This is not how Christianity works. Christianity works a lot more like the daggy dad, which I am now proudly becoming. On my day off, when I need to go to the paint shop to buy more paint, I go on my Crocs with paint stains on them and my ugly, stupid pants and my daggy shirt. And I don't care what the paint checkout chick thinks. This is who I am. <laughs> I am a daggy dad, so I dress like a daggy dad. And that's how Christianity works. It's not daggy. But you... Dress who you already are, right? In a sense, everything we want to change about our lives to become more godly is to become who we are. We don't change to become something that we're not. You are a child. My little baby in the hospital and Dana's baby, she is our child by virtue of her birth, no matter what she wears. Our job? is to say, because you are our baby, you behave this way. That's how it works for you. You do not earn or achieve that perfection. You dress and you become who you are. Okay, there's a bit more to say, but I'll do it at the Lord's Supper. Let me pray, and then we'll see. Jesus, thank you that we, if we have faith in you, a very simple faith, a very basic faith, that we're yours, we're your kids, and that's it. And I just pray that you'd help us as we grow up to learn how to dress ourselves properly. Let us come to love the clothes that you love. I pray for particularly those among us for whom this is uh, brutally hard. There are some things we have to wear that we, we think we cannot. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for your gentle voice to whisper to us that this is looking great. Wear it. Don't care what others think. Here it is. And so clothe us, we pray. Clothe us with everything good for your cause, everything satisfying to us. I pray that the barriers 
whatever they are that exist in many of us, will be overcome. And we thank you that you are such a God that first make us your kids and then you dress us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.